Justin Thomas wants more positive stories, you should just pay attention to the fire pit channels because that, that's what we're all about is telling these, these real good tales. I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out. Trying not to think what I'm thinking about. I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out. Trying not to think what I'm thinking about. Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another Fire Drill podcast. Um, here at the FPC, we're coming off a, a great success at the Wishbone Brawl. Uh, um, presumably, you, you guys have seen all the content we blasted out. Um, it's always a highlight of our year and just, just a, one of the real feel-good events of, of the golf calendar. One of, uh, you know, a couple of the sponsors of that, of that gathering also help us keep the lights on here at the Firepit Collective. So big shout out to um, Link Soul. Uh, it provides all the clothing for us and just quality people to be involved with. Um, and of course, Olakai shoes. I was telling someone recently, that's pretty much all I wear. And even if they stopped sponsoring this podcast, I would continue to wear the shoes. Like they're just insanely comfortable. I have really bad feet. I don't want to describe them in detail because that might scare off the listeners, but um, they're the most comfortable shoes I've worn in a really long time. So thank you to, to Olakai. And of course, um, Dormy Workshop as well, purveyor of beautiful artisanal leather head covers and stash pouches and all kinds of cool stuff. So we appreciate all of you. So let's get to this podcast. Matt Janella is here. We thought it would be fun to kind of catch up on what we're working on. We've got this In the Dirt series, as we're calling it. Um, hopefully, hopefully you guys have seen some of the, the content we blasted out on Golden Gate Park and Pasa Tiempo. And uh, we have some great intel on Shorties, the new par three at Bandon that we're going to be putting out sh shortly, as it were. And um, so just, just some fun, exciting projects that we'll get into in a little more detail here. And um, so without further ado, Matt, uh, what is going on in your world? On Sunday morning after uh, saying goodbye to Laird Shepard, by the way, uh, uh, the British Am champ. Uh, was in town and staying at our house, um, got to play Friday skins and Saturday round at Goat Hill Park uh, with, with the British Amp champ over the, over the, sort of the end of the last week. And, and he's on his way to Palm Springs playing in the uh, Asian Tour Q School in Palm Springs. So great to reconnect with Laird. If you've watched some of what we did from the grind, you know, his story in which he was, he was eight down with 19 to play in the British Amateur Championship at Nairn a couple years ago and came back to beat Monty Scousel in a three-hole playoff. Um, eight down, 19 to play, four down with four to play, and wins on the third playoff hole. So um, really cool that he was here, and uh, he was teaching Bandon how to play soccer in our backyard and uh, showing <laughs> him some, some stuff on the golf course. So it was really sweet. Um, and then Sunday morning, I, I darted up to San Jose, went out and met Justin Mandon, the superintendent there, and uh, got eyes on <clears throat> ultimately what's really a finished product at Pasa Tiempo. They will reopen to the public on December 4th, the front nine. The back nine has been open. You can play it you know, once or twice. Uh, if you so desire, but uh, the front nine will reopen to the public December 4th. That'll stay open all the way through April. So you can play all 18 holes with the new front nine greens and the back nine as it is. 
until Western intercollegiate, which is at the week after the masters. So, um, and then they'll shut the back nine down and do the same exact process that they did on the front nine, which is, you know, really go down and find the original, you know, the greens, the, the intent of Dr. Alistair McKenzie and Marion Hollins as it relates to those putting surfaces. Um, and Jim Urbina, Justin Mandon, Earth Sculptures, uh, a, a, you know, a big sort of team has been a part of that project. And I'm, I honestly had a beautiful morning out there. Uh, we had our Roger, our drone shooter, our drone ninja out there and uh, mm-hmm. recreating some of the same angles he's been doing throughout this entire process. And the before and afters are going to be spectacular. The, putting surfaces at Pasa Tiempo on that front nine went from one, maybe two pinnable locations to now in some cases like five, three, five, eight, the par threes are going to have, you know, seven to 11 different pinnable locations. Um, they, you know, they took the greenside bunkers down to their original intent. They've got, you know, as, as we've documented, they've got photos, and you know information they went and were able to read the layers of the sand once they really cut into it to see that original <clears throat> that original green and uh, and the sort of the breaks on that green to to try to use as as a, a base for the recreation and restoration that's so cool. That's like archaeology. That's not. That's not architecture. That's that's a different discipline. Like they're they're reading the striations of the earth there to figure out uh, the subsoils and the, the sand buildups. Like I love that. It's a, it's actually the the perfect word, honestly. Um, and I think you know they had done so much soil sampling and understanding. You know, in Justin Mandon, that superintendent, they you know Pasa Tiempo has the perfect guy he grew up in the area lives in the area, you know, obviously. And, and, uh, and he is so well versed on that golf course. Um, Scott Hoyt, former general manager, Steve Argo, now the current general manager, that board of directors, that membership. Uh, I was there that day in April when they kind of shut everything down, they had a barbecue, they had 200 plus members out there. The amount of information and education that went in to getting that <clears throat> pro- excuse me that project lit and getting that uh, to go and where it is now as as we here are here in November, this is going to go down in history as one of the smartest and most effective you know restorations of very meaningful putting services that, you know, that are accessible, you know, to the public. It is a members club. It is semi-private. It's a very different business model than we see in most American clubs in, in, ter- in terms of the prestige of what we're talking about. Usually these, these, a course like this would be behind gates and we would, you'd only get access to it if you were willing to pay a hundred thousand upfront or 200 or 500 or whatever well, that number exactly. is. Exactly. I mean, this is like the UK model, like even Muirfield, you know, which is the Augusta National of Scotland, super stuffy, uptight joint. They still let, let outsiders play, you know, what is it, Tuesday and Thursdays. And I've had this argument with so many people, like these great private courses, to me, it's a travesty that 300 guys get to play them and a select <laughs> few other guests. Like, 
I mean, like Cypress Point to me is like Yosemite. You know, it it should be a national park, and <laughs> let the members have it maybe five days a week. Let everyone else come in and play in the other two. Like this is this is a part of the California coastline. No one owns California. No one owns the Pacific Ocean. Like um, it, these things bother me. And you and I have always loved Pasa Tempo. We've talked about it glowingly. I think it's it's still an underrated course it's not always on people's radar screen but it is open to the public they they set aside chunks of times every single day and um it's because of this public private model it's not that expensive relatively speaking i was like what it's a third of tpc sawgrass you know it's half <laughs> yeah. of pebble you know what it's it's half of you know some of these 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 courses out in the desert and it i mean Tita green, it's phenomenal. And the undulations and the land and some of the, some of the carries. And, and then these, these Alistair McKenzie greens are just wild and crazy and awesome. Um, and the good doctor, you know, a lot of people know lived and basically died at Pasa Tiempo. That's how much he loved it and cared for it. And so it should be the, the top of every golfer's list as a pilgrimage and just wait, you know, maybe at this point you could wait another year when it's done, done. And, it, it is going to be so spectacular because they didn't really touch anything tee to green. Although they, they're tweaking some bunkers along the way in the fairways, but the the greens had gotten so extreme from the sand buildup, and I don't think average golfers recognize like every time you splash out of a bunker, that like starts to raise the contours of the greens times 150 players a day times you know almost 100 years, and so the greens had just evolved to the point they were too extreme. So now they. Now you're going to be able to see the contours as they were designed, and it, it's going to be tremendous. It, it was almost it, it had gotten to a point where they weren't even able to like mow the greens, um, let alone put pins on them. And it wasn't just, it's not just that sand splash that you're talking about. It's top dressing, it's natural runoff on the you know on that on those hillsides and how that settles, <clears throat> and then you know and then it's the agronomy underneath it with drainage and sprinkler systems. And, you know, and just the general uh, health of, of the grass itself. So, you know, if you talk to some people involved and you find out that, you know, they were really, you know, Justin is very good at what he does, obviously, and he would get the greens very good, but there was only a limited number of seasons in which he was going to be able to do what he was doing um, without, you know, without having to try to, you know, sort of push forward with a project like this. And, and they, they, what they've ultimately decided to do is go back to some of the, the, that original intent and, and, and reveal some of the original pin locations, but also some of the views and looks you see of some of the bunkers behind or to the right or left of some of these holes that you could see in images, but had been disappeared over these decades of time. And yeah, in Jim, Jim Urbina, you have a guy who spent a lot of time out of Pasa Tiempo. He knows McKenzie. He worked with Doak on on the the sort of the restoration in which they, you know, go back fifteen years ago. They didn't touch any of the of the greens at that time, um, and so you got this real thoughtful, well informed architect. Um, and you have Justin Mandon and then you have earth sculptures and you have this membership. It, it's, it is what we've documented and, you know, the dirt that we were able to get into, so to speak, uh, and, and see this process and the, the greens 
that we've played so many times that have befuddled us. And it's not to say they've made, they've made it, you know, people were like, Oh, they're going to make it too easy. Those greens are what make pasta tiempo. First of all, there's no way pasta tiempo is a bunch of half pars and most of them are on the high side half, you know, they're, they're like, they're, you know, number one is a par four and a half. Number two is like a par four and a half. Number three is a par three and a half, you know, like you just keep going and you're like, Oh, this is just a bunch of, you know, half pars that are, that are working, <laughs> working against you. But it's also part of why, why it makes it so fun. But they, what's this, what, what they've done now is going to afford Justin to run those greens like he wants to at a 10, 11, or even, you know, upwards of a 11 and a half, 12, a Western intercollegiate or something like that and have pin locations that are still fair because yeah. When those when those greens were running eleven, and you know when when uh, when when the cameras were on and the Western inter- Intercollegiate was being played, and you saw the ball never stop rolling, it was like, oh, this is unfair. They've lost it. This is no right, longer right, right. makes any sense. But that's not going to be the case anymore. There's real like legitimate shelving and pin locations. They're going to be tough to get to, but they're going to be fair. Do you remember we we were playing there on the third hole? That incredible par. F- par three up the hill. I had a career hybrid like to four feet, but it was past the flag and it was straight down. And it was like, I'm either going to make a two here or I'm going to make a four. And sure enough, I nudged the ball. It ran like 10 feet by. I missed the comeback. It was so deflating. Like I hit one of the top 10 shots of my entire life and I left with a bogey. I think I had to rattle in like a three footer for my three putt. It was, yeah, you could just get in some spots where you're absolutely dead. So I... It's going to be exciting. And as much as I didn't want to see you miss that, I definitely had to make you put it. You know what I mean? I seem to. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a foot and a half. It was like four feet. Um, But, but, but but same, that could be said on eight, you know, five, if you're above the holes there, 18 obviously was a mess. Uh, They had totally lost any, you know, legitimate pinnable locations on 18. So this is, this is, you know, I'm very, Look, we're we're in this we're we're in bed with Pasa Tempo on telling the story. So, uh, but uh, and and obviously that's that's pretty pretty well known. But I'm telling you, regardless of that, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of you know opinionated people that are going to take to Pasa Tempo. I don't think there's anybody who's going to walk away and go, "What's been done here is is phenomenal." And there's a great big congratulations to everybody involved. And they can't wait yeah. to get started on the back nine. They very smartly did the front nine first, although there are these iconic holes in these greens and those three par threes that we've already mentioned, plus number nine, two, really needed a lot of work. I mean, uh, the back nine, you've got, you know, 10, 11, 12, I mean, 16, 18, those are – those those should be hanging in the Louvre. Like th- that that's that's legitimate artwork out there. So for them to get a real grasp on the process, get a system in place, learn what they needed to learn on the front nine, and now take all that knowledge into the back nine. This is uh, you know come this time next year they're going to reopen all eighteen with all new greens, and uh, it's gonna. It's going to be it's going to be something to behold and something to see and and feel and play. 
I mean, yeah, we do have a business relationship with Pasa Tiempo now, but we've been touting that place for 30 years. So I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think we're in the pocket of Pasa. We've always loved it. Now it's just I know. Fun to, and it, to and the fact the it's so bit. underrated on these rankings just pisses me off. It's like, do, do, do oh, people God. even understand what they're looking at when they stand on some of those tea boxes yeah, and look out to those green, those bunker complexes and the green complexes. And, you know, as someone was just saying in one of the social comments that Doak said, how do you make such a short course play so long? Well, you know, it's because of the undulation. That's how it, that's how it happens. You gotta, it's a hike uh, uh, to oh, get yeah. around there. So. For sure. For sure. Um, well, so, you know, we, we talked about the dirt. We've kind of got this, we're calling in the dirt. It's, it's, it's going to be the, the umbrella for all these, these projects that are working on the fire pit. Course restorations, new builds, um, anything related to bringing golf courses to life, which you know we've already been doing over the last two and a half years, but it feels like it's accelerating. And one project that we're both, you and I, are super excited about, and as we put a few things out on social, you can detect the the, the energy in the whole golfing world is is Golden Gate Park golf course. This little part three. A lot of people never knew it was there. It's the very western edge of Golden Gate Park. I mean, you're about one good drive. It's probably 300 yards to the beach, and it's right in in the shadow of those famous like Sutro windmills that are out there, and um, just an incredible spot in one of America's greatest you know urban oases. And um, this, you know, you and I have both been there in the last few weeks, and to see, you know, we've been we've been in the dirt since you know. I guess eight months ago and to see it come into life. Now the grass has grown in the, the, the sand scrapes are, are visible. The greens, you can see the, you can see undulations after your last visit to the completed golden gate park, par three. What, what's your feeling about that place? Again, I, I'm, I'm just really happy for everybody involved and, you know, Josh Lewis, Jay Blasey, Dan Burke. Um, I met some locals on this last trip after Pasta Tempo. I darted over to Golden Gate Park and, and you know, sort of it's, it's not as far along in terms of the health and strength of the grass, but it's pretty close. Um, you know, one's bent and uh, bent, bent grass greens and the other at, at Golden Gate Park is using fescue. And fescue, you know, needs a little, you know, little more time um, to sort of get in and get get str- get some strength. Um, but I think long term, it was the right move uh, for the way they want that golf course to play, firm and fast, and have the ball move around after it's on the ground. Jay Blasey, obviously, a big part of the Chambers Bay project uh, with Robert Trent Jones Jr. and um, you know. This was uh, a cool project all along, you know, and we talk about it in, in our docuseries that's going to be, you know, starting to drop, the content started to drop next week. But, you know, in the legacy of Sandy Tatum and what happened at Harding Park and Dan Burke knowing Sandy Tatum and, and working and being a big part of the San Francisco golf community and what it meant to him now the CEO of San Francisco First Tee for him to get some private donors, 2.7 million, uh, to get Jay Blasey again, lives locally. And, uh, Josh Lewis, who's got a history going back to agronomy at, at Bandon Dunes and, and, uh, other prominent projects. This team, 
you know, walking around with them and some of the locals and what's about to, you know, sort of be presented to the public, affordable, accessible, everything that you'd want from, from a nine hole golf course in Golden Gate Park and a, and a hub of a first tee program uh, that needs a place to, to play. It's just, it's just going to get rave reviews. It's going to be a national curiosity. It's going to be a blueprint for what's possible. You know, we've said it many times. We're going to continue to say it, you know, for me, you know, and you know, John Ashworth at Goat Hill Park and, and, uh, and uh, Dan Burke at, at Golden Gate Park and, and, you know, what, obviously, you know, Mike Kaiser at Bandon Dunes and sort of Tom Pashley at, at Piner's putting in the cradle off the front por- porch of, of Piner's resort. And, uh, you know, Steve Leary, the mayor of winter park who decided to do what he did, you know, Western golf association and Kemper sports. And some of the people who are behind the canal shores, uh, renovation and restoration of that property, uh, which will be home to, a to, uh, you know, you know, junior caddy program. And, um, these to me, Alan, you know, are leaders in golf. You know, this to me is, uh, you know, I'm super frustrated with professional golf, PGA tour, live the dysfunction, the greed, uh, the bullshittery, as we say. Um, I, I just, I just find it, you know, I just find, to Justin Thomas's point, actually, <laughs> it's way more interesting and exciting to stay focused on some of these types of stories that, you know, this Golden Gate Park is going to be a rock in a pond and the ripple effect that it's going to have on this community as it relates to golf and kids and accessibility and affordability is, is going to go on again now for decades. And uh, it's really cool. It's just a feel good project for everyone involved because the, you know, the locals and I was out there on closing day for the old golden gate park and interviewed this Japanese guy who's 91 years old. He's taught his daughters and his grandkids to play there. And he plays there all the time so much. He has his own private park in place. And, you know, this is, this is fundamental to his daily existence, this little course. And then all these first tee kids from very, diverse backgrounds you know that's been it's been their portal into the game and then you have you know retirees who they're in the 50s and 60s and that's just where they like to play because that's the the community they i mean the fact that they get this beautiful new course at no cost to them the city gets um you know an asset massively upgraded at no cost to them it's going to generate more revenue uh it's just a win-win-win for everyone and uh you know, I think people in golf have been waiting for this leadership to come from the top down, like let the USGA and the PGA of America guide us through um, how the game should evolve. But it, it's really coming from the ground up. Like all these people you name checked, like they, they are in the dirt. They're the ones who are actually doing the work with the golf courses, with the customers. And it's just a more effective model. It's great if, if the USGA will come in and sprinkle – $10 million on a Maggie Hathaway in, you know, this, this, this little par three in, in central Los Angeles, like that's helpful. And no one's going to, that's going to be a cool project that everyone's going to enjoy, but it's not really replicable. But when you, what is, is if every community bands together and says, you know what, we have potential here. We've got this old tired golf course that needs to be redone. And 
you know, like you can do, you can do it like Ashworth. Like he's just out there in the tractor every day, more or less doing it himself with community volunteers. You can fundraise privately like they did it in Golden Gate Park, but there, there's a way for every community to, to get itself an amazing public asset. And it's not going to come from the Fred Ridley's of the world, the Seth Waz, you know, they're, they're kind of in their ivory towers. I mean, it's really incumbent on each golf community. Like it, um, it takes some leadership and some passion and of course it takes some money, but um, it, you, it's this movement that I feel, it feels like it's happening around the U S where people aren't waiting anymore for the USGA to come in and solve their problem. Like they're, they're taking the initiative and, and we're lucky now as golfers to have all these cool courses to look forward to. And I mean, I can't wait to go up and play golden gate. It's going to be a regular thing for me. And you know, the, like Peter Hay, it's on seven acres and the cradles on 10 acres and Golden Gate is on like 22 acres. I mean, it really feels expansive. And there's some there's some long holes, you know. And you know, if you're a good golfer, you don't need any woods, but you might want your five iron. You know, and there's a couple there's like a couple hundred eighty yard holes, and um, you know, it's like real golf. It's not just a bunch of little half wedges and super interesting greens. You have ocean views up there at the top of the property. Uh, it's really all you want, and. Um, I'm as excited about Golden Gate in its own way as I am about Pase Tiempo. They're different experiences, but both are going to be just, you know, fun factories. And um, and it's just cool that the local golf communities have, have made these things happen on their own, but all of us get to enjoy them. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I think to, you know, going on the list of, of people who are having impact, but Adam Hike, the CEO of Youth on Course, I was just at a Youth on Course board meeting i've served on honored to be part of that board for the last three years and i tweeted out recently that they in 2019 they had a thousand and forty five courses signed up to uh, part, participate in a program in which you know all the course has to say is yeah we're a part of this program youth on course and kids uh play for five dollars or less and then youth on course subsidizes the difference between whatever they charge those kids and whatever they would normally charge a junior green fee so youth on course is subsidizing kids to make sure that they have access to these courses for you know for five dollars or less they've doubled the number of courses in the last four years it went from a thousand forty five to two thousand thirty five they've gone from seventy thousand members of kids in 2019 to 189,000 members in 2023. They went from subsidizing 204,000 rounds in 2019. This year, they are up to 700,000 subsidized rounds of golf for kids playing for $5 or less. So you talk about like leadership, you know, and the USGA is sniffed around on trying to be a part of youth on course, but they wanted to kind of own that concept and idea. Uh, other, other big, you know, uh, sort of, you know, brands within the game have talked about like, you know, partnering with, but, but in the end, it's just been youth on courses. You know, Adam Hike started as an intern <laughs> and he's now the CEO and look, you know, the kind of impact that that program is having, that's, you know, it's, an, it's one thing to like throw up a bunch of commercials and, and use hashtag grow the game. That's growing the game. Golden Gate Park is growing the game. We, you know, Goldhill Park is growing the game. You know, Canal Shores will grow the game. Western Golf Association is helping kids 
not not only become like golfers or caddies, but become great members of society. And, you know, I just think this is, I, I get inspired, like, you know, every time to your point, going to Golden Gate Park and walking around and listening and, and watching and learning, I just, I, it, it makes me feel and sharpens my focus on some of the good stuff happening in this game around some of these courses, these municipalities, this accessibility and affordability and sustainability to your point being 10 acres, seven acres. Think of Davis Cessna who started threes and other par three course. I mean, and we're going to get to the news out of abandoned dunes at shorties, which is another par three course. But this to me is, it makes so much sense. And as I said, and I think the previous podcast after the, the, the Colorado basin water summit in which one person asked the crowd, if we were to start building golf now, what would it look like? If, if we, if we erase the, 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 the slate and started over, what would it look like? It would look like golden gate park and goat Hill park and canal shore. It would be small, fun, accessible, sustainable, affordable, playable, you know, on, on smaller piece, pieces of land. And, uh, that's, that's what I think deserves a lot of our time, energy, attention, and storytelling. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, we, yeah, let's talk about shorty just cause there's some, there's some, there's some excitement around that and anything Bandon related. And obviously we talk about golf this century and, and, part of why it's it's evolved in such a positive way clearly abandoned is is a huge force in that and it's almost a victim of its own success because it's so crowded it's hard to get tea time they're building courses as fast as they can and so shorties will take some pressure off the preserve it's going to be another par three course and i think maybe they want to make it visually a little different than preserve but whatever it's going to be we know it's going to be fun it's an awesome piece of ground there kind of for those who have been abandoned trails when you're playing the first hole and you're in those dunes and the second, really. I mean, it's really kind of just over the, between those dunes and the coast, right? That's where, where Shorty's is going to be and pretty wild and woolly. And uh, what do you know about what's happening up at Shorty's, Matt? Yeah, I mean, just that it's kind of coming online. I've, I've talked to Rod Whitman and Dave Axlin along with Keith Cutton. That is the team that ultimately got the job at one point. You know, it was going to be Tom Doak. Um, I've heard a couple different stories as to how and why he isn't doing it. And they are, I'll just save those for another time. Um, because at this point I, I don't have them confirmed, but Dave Axlin, Rod Whitman, Rod Whitman and, um, and Keith Cutton, uh, you know, and they were all part of the Cabot team. So Cabot links and Rod and Dave worked on Cabot cliffs. Um, they are longtime Corin Crenshaw associates. Dave Axlin worked on Bandon Trails. He didn't work on Bandon Preserve. So as I told him, I'm a big fan of your work uh, for what you did at Trails. Rod had never actually worked on Bandon Dunes. He had been out there, but he had never had been a part of any of the uh, Corin Crenshaw products. Um, but can you imagine these guys having just sort of formed this new partnership fair, fairly recently? not unlike what Keith Reb and Riley Johns had have done. Uh, they continue to work for Bill and Ben, but they also take projects on the side and, and work for, for themselves. 
uh, 19 hole par three course, the shortest being somewhere around 50, 60 yards puttable. Um, the longest being 150 to 160 yards. There'll be a lot of variety, not unlike at preserve. You can kind of choose your own T lo- locations. Um, wild and woolly would be a good way of describing that land. Um, th- Dave Axland said the land itself and that dunes land, um, he called it a nine out of 10. And then the challenge being, how do you make a golf course that lives up to that level of land? You know, he, he's like, you know, it's actually sometimes, you know, the pressure is on when you're a, yeah. you're at Bandon B you're in this portfolio of, of these great architects and architecture, you know, Mike Kaiser's, you know, legacy, uh, a big portion of it. And, uh, and you're asked to put in, you know, putting in a 19 hole par three course. So, you know, Ax- Dave Axon was like, and they're so humble. These guys, you know, shocking guys that work with Corin Crenshaw are super humble, mm-hmm. but like to, to, to talk to Rod Whitman, who, you know, uh, Sam Houston, you know, in college from Canada, used to go out to pizza with Bill core. Bill core was a superintendent at the golf course that Sam Houston played at. Uh, Rodman went, Whitman would show up with holes in the bottom of his shoes, not enough money to even buy the pizza they were eating. Uh, and they would talk about how they both wanted to sort of get into architecture. It's one of the great stories. I told it in a podcast. They actually tell it in a podcast that we did on the, the building of Bill and Ben, uh, the partnership and the, and the, and the, and the company. Um, and so to talk to Rod and Dave and to listen to their humility and the sort of their, their honor and uh, in the opportunity that they had to do what they did at Bandon uh, is just a very sweet and refreshing um, reality. And I'm very happy again for them, for this kind of opportunity that they've had to uh, do this. They, there's no real set definitive date for the opening of shorties. Uh, they are taking reservations for sort of July on in 2024 there may or may not be an opportunity to open that sooner that'll depend on the grow in and the and the weather and all that kind of stuff so they didn't really get a chance to have preview play this year um i'm not sure how they'll handle preview play uh at the start of you know or the late spring into the summer of next year but um it is as you say kind of that west of number two and three uh, of trails for the last few years, you've been off the second tee of trails. You've been able to see like a little pin flag out there. Mm. That was the only indication that that was what was coming. A lot of the people who have been out there say that these are some of the best views of any course on property. So think about that for a second. <laughs> I feel like on that first hole, I've pumped a few of my drives out into the shorties property. Unfortunately, <laughs> why is that? That hole's always got that fierce wind. It's like, yeah. Damn. It's Can't such a hard. They didn't call it shipwrecks. It could have shipwrecks. Yeah, I think it's one of the hardest opening drives on in golf. But that's just me. Um, I'm a month away, actually less, from flying down to Melbourne for for Ogilvy's tournament, the Sandbelt Classic, which is another of the really cool events in the sport that brings together a really diverse group of people, and it's all for a great cause. So, um, yeah, that as you said earlier, I mean. If Justin Thomas wants more positive stories, he should just pay attention to the fire pit channels because that's what we're all about is telling these feel good tales. 
Shout out JT. Love that guy. So, um, I think it's time that the time has come to release the listeners. Uh, we appreciate you guys sticking around and, and following on with this little podcast. Uh, it's always stuff to talk about and we'll, we'll keep, uh, filling up your, your inbox and your ear hole. That sounds inappropriate, but, um, for Matt Janella, this is Alan Shipnuck. That was another fire drill. Thanks for listening. And, um, this is the end. I bet big and I played to win Made a fortune when my ship came in I ran the table, never thought I could fall Then the winter time hit me like a cannonball And now I can't shake this losing streak Every road I take is a dead-end street I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out Trying not to think what I'm thinking about I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out Trying not to think what I'm thinking about Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.